0: way. There's Mm -hmm. no reason to get to your church. Remember, if God's not The uh, very first time that I was really um, uh, challenged in this area of giving in my life, it probably would be the the greatest challenge of my life, and it really was um, life-transforming for me. Uh, I'd gone to Bible college, my first year of Bible school, just a poor kid, 18 years old, just turned 18, didn't have a car, um, really didn't have anything, just had my spot in Bible college, and I was going on to be in the ministry. At that time, my father had a plumbing company, and my brothers and my sister were working for the company. I was the, I was the only one in the family that didn't work for Duncalf Mechanical at that time. Um, my brother decided he was going to come up for a visit, and uh, uh, he said, I'll be there on the weekend, and he arrived, and I I still remember I was was in the cafeteria and someone came yelling, came running down to the cafeteria. Someone's here in this beautiful Mark IV Lincoln Continental. You got to come and see this. So, you know, being a guy, wanted to see this Mark IV Lincoln Continental. we running up the stairs and lo and behold, it's my brother, my my kid brother, who's just 16 years old and making a ton of money. And I tell you, at that moment, I felt, wow, my younger brother. Is, is driving a Mark IV two-door, beautiful, silver Lincoln Continental. And I thought to myself at that moment, you know, I could have one too. I could be driving one of these if I wanted or was willing to work for Duncalf Mechanical being a plumber. It was, uh, it was, a, it was a, one of those, one of those uh, moments where you, you, you just never forget that. You never forget your feeling. You never forget how you... Or what you're thinking and and where you were, what you were doing at the time. Well, I remember at that very moment thinking, "Wow, if, you know, if I maybe I could just go go be a plumber, get my papers, and uh, you know, I could I could be a plumber on the side or whatever, and then I could go into the ministry, kind of you know, do both things. It was a, a real temptation. Um, not so much the plumbing part of it as much as the the money part of it. And I said, I, I remember saying, God. Uh, um, what, do you, what do you want me to do? And God said to me, just like that, you know what I want you to do. You know what I want you to do. And then that scripture verse came to me that says, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? And so I want to talk to you this morning about, about giving. Um, it's, the, it's the last value in the series, like I said, and it's the, the start of the next series. And uh, just... Um, I just want to remind you that values really are the guiding principles of our lives. What, whatever we value is going to determine our behavior or our actions. So I can, I can quickly and very easily tell you what your values are just by the way that you live your life, by your actions, by your behavior, by the things that you do on a daily basis. And so let's just quickly be reminded of what our um, guiding values are. And uh, we said that if anyone... If anyone loves uh, Jesus, uh, he'll be careful to do what Jesus says. In fact, this is what Jesus says. He says, if, if you wanna follow me, if you wanna call yourself uh, a believer, a Christian, or a Christ follower, then you're gonna be very careful to do what Jesus says to do. And here's what Jesus says we need to do. First of all, we're called to be like Jesus, and we ask ourselves a question, what would Jesus do? This is a guiding principle or a guiding value but determines how we live our life. It generates behavior. It, it, it determines why we are where we are. Secondly, um, secondly, it's uh, the, the second value is walk with Jesus. Do your devotions on a regular basis. Let God speak to you. And how does God speak to you? Through His Word. And how do you speak to God through prayer? Thirdly, we are called to live with Jesus, and that's in the context. Remember of the family of God. You will become. Listen, you will become like the people you hang out with. Okay? Fourthly, uh, we need to live with Jesus forever. So we have this eternal perspective that someday when we die, we're going to go and be with Jesus. And everybody said, thank God. <laughs> thank God. Yes, do you live with that eternal, with that eternal uh, perspective that someday you are going to be with God? Uh, fifthly, uh, serving like Jesus, we, we serve others and in serving others this is how we become great this is how we 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 make our lives count this is how our life becomes significant we we look at serving other people and i love it uh nicholas will come home he came home last night and he won't mind me saying this but he said dad i i was serving tonight i said that friday night actually i was serving tonight does that make me great i said it sure does you're the greatest son uh yeah that's what makes us great serving uh, sixthly, we need to love with love like Jesus. Who who did what? He came into this world. The Bible says for one reason, to seek and to save what was lost. And so, if you are going to love like Jesus, that means you're going to get on board with his with his project of reaching the world. And then finally, what I want to talk to you about is giving like Jesus, generosity. And I'm going to tell you this: of all the Christian values, of all of them, nothing reflects the heart of God like giving does. And we, we see that, the very first scripture verse, in fact, that we've learned in Sunday school, for God so loved the world that he, he gave. We see Jesus giving, laying down his life. Um, we, we recognize that our whole relationship with God is based on God giving to us. Did you notice that? And I, I always think, you know, some people who think they're really, really spiritual. They say, you know, when I pray, I never pray for myself. Well, that's, that's utter nonsense. You have to pray for yourself because, because God told you to. And here's what Jesus says. He says, ask and you shall seek and you will knock and the door will be opened unto you. This is God's idea. God loves it when we as his children come to him as our loving heavenly father. He loves this relationship where we are asking and we are receiving from his generous and loving hand. Now here's the thing. God calls us to be imitators of him, to be like him, to do what he does. And so um, I want to I speak to you today about giving, and I want to try to answer two questions. And the first question is this, is why is it that we hoard? Why are we so stingy? And secondly, why should I give? Why should you give? Well, first of all, let's ask that, answer that question, why do we hoard? Um, why is it so hard to give? Uh, wh- why, uh, why do we... Why would we rather not give? And why do we get angry when the preacher talks about giving, when the preacher talks about tithing? Why do we get our backs up and, and get angry? Well, uh, I, I just want to share something with you first of all. First of all, uh, I, was, I got a copy of the Globe and Mail this week, and right on the, ver- the very first headline, the top of the list here, it says, charities see alarming trends as donors become older and fewer. And they're saying this, that over the past two years, Giving in Canada has dropped by nearly $1 billion. And they're saying that the other alarming trend is that the average age of givers, people who give or donors, is in fact age 52. The younger generation hasn't been taught or hasn't learned how to give. There's a whole generation that is not giving, doesn't want to give, doesn't like to give, or has been taught that giving is not necessary. We've got a huge problem on our hands. And we talk about giving we're talking not just about you know giving to the salvation army or the united way we're talking about in fact giving to the work of god uh gloria really loves to follow the royal family here and um i i try to get her these magazines but in this particular magazine uh, and you might be wondering how i know what's in this magazine well, I don't mind following what's happening with Will and Kate once in a while. But in this magazine, it talks about the world's most generous celebrities. And the very, at the very top of the list is uh, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, who in fact uh, report that they give 35% of their income. And then we come to Elton John, who gives 33% of his income. Uh, J.K. Rowling, who gives 22% of her income. Everybody knows that J.K. Rowling is uh, in fact a billionaire, right? Everybody knows that? Oprah, anybody know who Oprah Winfrey is? Oprah R- Winfrey. Winfrey? Uh, she gives 15.9% of her income. George Clooney gives 10.5% of his income. And then I'm going to tell you about the other five. And uh, this might surprise you. Tiger Woods. Uh, would anybody call him a billionaire or close to it? Oh, he was. <laughs> I don't know if he is now. Uh, he's, he gives 9%. Madonna gives 8.6%. Simon Cowell, anybody know who he is? The the American Idol gazillionaire, uh, he gives 8.5%. Leonardo DiCaprio, 7.1%. And David and Victoria Beckham, 4.5% of their income. Now, here's the thing. With these people, uh, even if they gave half of their income away, they would still have enough for them and all their descendants to live (laughs) probably for hundreds of years. They're just multi-multi-millionaires, extremely wealthy. But look at this. Even the wealthiest... Of the wealthy have a hard time giving. It doesn't seem to matter how much money you have or how much money you don't have. We are by nature's people who don't like to give. We don't want to share. And um, look at look at what Jesus says about this. Can you take a look at that? And if you wouldn't mind reading that with me, uh, and it's from the Message Bible, Matthew chapter six, verses nineteen to twenty-one. Read it with me. Don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust, or worse. Stolen by burglars. By the way, stop for a moment. Has anybody ever had anything stolen from them? Doesn't it just make you really furious that someone's taken from you? Uh, Stockpile treasure where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is is the place you will most want to be and in the end up being. Now, why does Jesus even have to mention this? Why is it necessary for Jesus even to mention the fact that, uh, that maybe we are hoarders? Maybe we don't like to give because, because Jesus knows us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. By nature, we're self-centered. By, nature's, by nature, we are, in fact, takers. We don't want to give. We don't want to share. And if we do give and share, we don't want to give too much. We'd rather just hang on to it. Now, here's the thing. Where do we get this from? Why are we like this? Well, you may have recalled that I've said in the past that the key to really understanding who we are and and uh, what we are and why we are the way we are and why we do what we do, uh, can really be found in Genesis chapter three. It really is sort of the the code that unlocks our spiritual genetic code. It, it, it explains, it helps us understand so much about why we are the way we are. And so if you, if you go back to Genesis chapter 3 and you reflect a little bit on, on, the, on the, just the first three chapters of the Bible, you will see that when God created Adam and, and then created Eve, that they lived in a world of giving and receiving. There was no taking. Did you notice that? God comes along and decides he's going to create the earth. He creates a man and gives him life. After he's given Adam life, he gives Adam a name. After he's given Adam a name, he gives Adam a garden to live in. He gives Adam a place to live. He gives Adam a job to do. He names all the animals. His job is to protect the world. The very first, by the way, the very first tree hugger was in fact Adam. Uh, that was his job. Um, God gives Adam fellowship with Himself. He walks with God. Um, Adam gives, or God gave Adam a wife, and, and the Bible says that when Adam saw Eve, it says this in, in Genesis chapter two, verse twenty-three. Adam goes, "Finally, <laughs> at last, she's here! Wow!" Um, God gave Adam a companion. Adam, after he's given Eve, what does he do? He gives Eve support. He gives her, he gives her comfort. He, he shows her the rope. He, uh, the Bible calls, uh, calls Eve a helpmeet for Adam. Adam helps her. She helps him. He cherishes her. What does Eve give Adam? Well, Eve gives Adam joy. He gives Adam companionship. He gives Adam, she gives Adam uh, intimacy. She gives Adam help, helpmeet. This, it's, a, it's a marvelous relationship here, relationships of giving and receiving. And then suddenly we, we read, in, in the very first verses of chapter three, we see something very startling, very jarring take place. and uh, the snake comes along and tempts and tempts Eve and Adam, and says, "Did God really say that you shouldn't take from that tree?" And of course, you know what happens. They take from the tree. It's the first time. Look at this. It's the first time that Adam and Eve are taking. Up until this point, God was freely giving to them, freely sharing with them, and they were freely receiving from him. But now Adam and Eve are taking taking what doesn't belong to them. Adam and Eve are taking what God is not giving them. In fact, God does not want them to have it but they take it anyways. This, my friends, is the beginning of selfishness and the beginning of our need to hoard, to take, to have, to get, to hold on to. This is the beginning of our unwillingness to share and to give. And we see it right at the very beginning. And this is why uh, when we get to the end of the Old Testament, that's how the New Testament, the Old Testament begins. The the, The Old Testament ends with Malachi giving this prophecy to Israel, saying that all of Israel is under a curse. And why is it? Because Adam and Eve set in course a selfish nature, a taking nature, and God says to Israel, you're under a curse because you're robbing me. You're robbing me. You're stealing from me. You're taking from me what doesn't belong to you. What are they doing? What is Israel doing? What are the descendants of Adam and Eve doing? Well, they're holding back a tithe from God. They're not sharing. They're refusing to give. And God says, you're under a curse. And then he doesn't just leave it at that. He says, but look, why don't you, why don't you test me in this? Prove me. Find out if, in fact, I'm not, I'm not a God of my word. Just prove me. Test me. Give and see what will happen. God promises this through Malachi. He says, if you give, watch how the floodgates of heaven will open up and I will pour out more blessing upon you than you could ever imagine. I want you to know something this morning. It is absolutely God's will, God's desire for you that you know his richest blessing on your life. God does not want you to walk around broke or hungry. He doesn't want you to walk around without provision. He wants to provide for you. He wants you to have all your needs met. God does not want you to live in abject poverty. Did you know that? He has given promises in his word to pour his blessing upon you. But the thing is this, you need to to learn how to give. You say, well, you know, I really can't afford to give. Well, let me ask you this question. At what point can you afford to give? Look at the wealthiest of the wealthy I just told you about. We're talking about billionaires who are having a hard time giving. And I know I know the temptations. Like when I when I get to the point when I'm finally making X number of dollars, when I'm finally able to get this paid or that paid or whatever, then I will begin to give. I remember a church I was serving, and I won't mention it, but one of the board members was not a giver, which really shocked me. And I was thankfully just the interim pastor, so I could leave it to the original pastor to, to deal with it. It wasn't my problem. But this board member d- did not give, did not tithe, and I didn't. I wasn't going looking through the books. It just so happened, I don't know if he was out of guilt or what, but he came to me and he said, Pastor, I just want you to know. Uh, I th- actually, I think I was, I was preaching a sermon about giving. He said, I just want you to know I'm not tithing. I said, well, really? <laughs> really? You're, but you're a board member. You're, you're supposed to be giving leadership in this church. And he said, well, you know what? I'm just, I'm just struggling right now financially. I've got a car payment to make. And, but Pastor, I just want you to know, as soon as that car is paid for, then I, I'm going to start giving. I'm going to start sharing. I said, okay, well, that's between you and God. But let me tell you this. You will constantly be in need until you learn how to give. And so what happened was uh, he finished paying for his car, uh, uh, and then it broke down. He had to get another one. And they were back on the treadmill again. I'm going to tell you, there's never any uh, sort of perfect time to give. The best time to give is just to give now. Start sharing now. Start sharing what you have now. Now, that's why we hoard, because by nature we're takers, and we inherited that from our, our forefathers. And I'm going to tell you this. God says you're under a curse if you don't give. Plain and simple as that. So then why should we give? Well, uh, I remember back uh, uh, when Nicholas was a lot younger. I'm picking on Nick today. Sorry, Nick. I'll pay you after. Uh, he uh, decided one Sunday that uh, um, he, he he was going to share, and so he came home after church, and he said, Dad, I just want you to know I wasted $2 today. What? And I just wanted to start lecturing about not wasting money, and he says, uh, no, Dad, I put it on the offering plate. <laughs> uh, if that's your idea of wasting, son, carry on. Some of us feel like that, you know? It's just giving away money, and it doesn't help my cause, and it doesn't sort of help my bottom line. But I want to tell you what it does do. It breaks in you this tendency towards greed. It's an antidote towards greed. Rick Warren, pastor of one of the biggest churches in North America, he says this. He says, he says my wife and I made, a, made up our minds at the very beginning of our ministry that we were going to try to always give and try to excel and exceed the amount we give from year to year. And he says, the reason we do that is, is as an antidote against greed so we don't allow greed to take over our hearts. I'm going to tell you something. That's fantastic advice because by nature we are greedy. And until you learn how to give, and until you you actually develop this discipline or this value, this principle of giving and sharing, you will be a greedy person. And can I just tell you this? Nobody likes greedy people. If you're struggling in friendship, if 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 you are looking for friends and you don't have friends, I would say the very first thing that you should probably do is look at how generous you are. And if you're not a generous person, if you're a greedy person, I can tell you nobody wants to hang out with you. People just don't want to be with greedy people. I can tell you that greedy people have to hang out with generous people. That I know for sure. But nobody wants to hang out with greedy people. And so as Christians who have this value of giving, as Christians who want to be like our loving Heavenly Father, our job is to try to take seriously this call upon our lives to give. You need to give. Um, one of the one of the the programs I love watching at Christmas time, and maybe you do too. It's Charles Dickens' uh, Christmas Carol. Anybody see that? When I, in grade seven, I was in a play, and I was I got to play Scrooge, uh, and uh, you you know the story. Scrooge, the the tight-fisted, greedy, uh, nasty, nasty man. The, in fact, the greedier he got, the nastier he got. And in fact, uh, he had no heart. But mercifully, mercifully, and this is what the story is around, mercifully, he has a dream. And he's not sure if it's a dream or if it really happens, but uh, he's confronted with his greediness and, and the effect that it has on the people that he once loved and the people who are around him. And you know the story. He finally comes around, and he learns how to give. And... And something within us just wells up with joy and gladness. This is why we like to watch this show. And you know the story. Next thing you know, he's, he's giving a raise to Bob Cratchit and, and his maid thinks he's gone out of his mind and, and he's, he's leaping and skipping. He's got a song in his heart. For the first time, we see him smiling and he's uh, spreading joy and comfort and love around. Uh, there's a genuine ch- transformation in his life. and something inside of us Says, ah, this is wonderful. You know what you know why? You know why that it touches your heart? Because you can relate to that. Because Scrooge is really you. And God has called us to not be Scrooge's. God has called us to give and to share. And here's the neat thing about this, about this story is that when Scrooge begins to give, everybody lives happily ever after. Can I tell you something? That's exactly the way it is in a Christian life. When you start giving, everybody lives happily ever after, including you. When you start to give, it affects your children, it affects your wife, it affects everybody around you. Everybody benefits. Everybody experiences the love. Everybody experiences the joy. You need to make it one one of your values. It's one of my family values, it's one of the things I teach my kids. I hammer it home. I've had some pretty heavy duty discussions with my kids because I want them to adopt the values that have worked so wonderfully for their mother and father. Giving. Give, give, give. And watch people in your life live happily ever after. Do you give? Are you happy? Are you facing this season with with gloom and despair? Or is this this an exciting season for you? I can tell you this. For those who are givers, this is a wonderful time of the year. And remind you, it has nothing to do with your income. It has to do with your heart, whether you're willing to give. And I'm not saying you need to give hundreds, thousands, millions. You just need to give what you have. And what a difference it makes. This time of the year is really hard on people who are greedy. It really, really bums them out that they've got to share anything. It really disturbs them that they've got to spend anything, that they've got to put other people first. My friend, listen to me. If you want to know what Christmas is all about, if you want to know what, where the joy comes from, where the Christmas spirit comes from, or where the Christmas presence comes from, it comes not in taking. It comes in giving. It comes in sharing. So you need to give as an antidote against greed. The second reason you need to give is to lay it for yourself treasure in heaven. This is this is what the scripture says, isn't it? Stockpile treasure in heaven, where it's safe from moth, rust, and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is is the place you will most want to be end up end up being. How do you how do you lay up treasure in heaven? There's only one way. It's through giving. It's by sharing, helping the poor, helping the needy, sharing with those that have nothing partnering with God in furthering the kingdom of God. You know, I've heard it said that there'll be no tears in heaven. And I, I I think that maybe there will be tears in heaven. There'll be tears of remorse and regret that we didn't send on more ahead of us. Listen, the only thing that you can take to heaven with you is what you give here in this life. And there's a lot of people who are going to have a very impoverished eternity because they didn't give the way Jesus said to give. And it doesn't make sense to, to stock up here on earth, does it? Where moth and rust and burglars can get at it. Lay it up in heaven so that you can have a great eternity. The third reason you need to give is so that you can partner with God in turning back the wave of evil and darkness in this world. This is why we invite you to tithe. This is why we invite you to give to these special projects. This is why we invite you to, to come with us to Zambia so that you can experience what it means to be like your father in heaven. You know, the, the, the best thing that my father ever taught me, the very best thing that he ever passed on to me, is he taught me at a young age to start tithing, to start giving. And this is what we did. And, and, and listen to me, it wasn't just tithing he taught me how to do it. He taught me how to give of my time, how to give of my energy, how to give of whatever I had, my talents, my skills. And as a family, we used to go to Red Rock Youth Camp. And we, you've heard me tell you this. We used to open it up. We used to paint. We used to fix, repair, uh, build, shovel, whatever needed to be done so that kids could come to camp and hear about Jesus. And I'll tell you, it was the greatest time in my life, being able to give, to be able to share. I remember one time Calvary Temple was having a hard time with the air conditioning system. And my dad said to me and my brother, Joph, would you like to go and, and fix the air conditioning system? Uh... For pay, or would you like to do it as a gift? And I said, Oh, I'd like to do it as a gift to, for God. I'd love to do that. So, at 17 or 18 years of age, my brother and I were 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 in the old Calvary Temple when Pastor Barber was still the pastor. I was up on the boardroom table, had the tiles fixed. I was in filthy, filthy clothes, and I was fixing the air conditioning system. And in walks Pastor Barber. He looks up at me. I look down at him. And uh, I suddenly became very self-conscious of, of how filthy I am. And uh, he kind of just grunts, hello. Hello, Pastor. He says, what are you doing? Fixing your air conditioning. That's great, Alan. He knows my name. That's great, Alan. Appreciate what you're doing. It means a lot to me. Wow, I felt like I'd been, I'd been handed a million bucks. Just felt so excited to be able to do something for my church, something for my pastor, something for God. Do you know that joy? Have you experienced that? When well, I had kids come to me and say, I remember you. You were, you were my Sunday school teacher. That's, I was 15 years old when I started teaching Sunday school. I remember you. You were my teacher. You were the best teacher I ever had. I'll tell you, that's payday. There's no amount of money that can compare to that. I remember kids coming up to me and say, you were my counselor at camp. And this is what you did for me. I didn't even remember that, but I want to tell you, you you changed my life. That's payday, my friends. There's no no thrill, no delight like it in this world. I had someone come to me the other day, struggling. hadn't seen them for I don't know, 25 years, and they they said they said I needed to come to you and say thank you for what you invested in my life when you were a youth pastor. I said, really? They said, yeah. You know what? We loved, I loved your services, I loved, loved the youth meetings, but this is what I remember the most, is that after youth was done, you would go with all of us kids over to A&W and you would hang out with us until 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. You really loved us and cared about us. And you know what, that made the difference in my life. And today I'm serving God because you love me so much. I, I just sat there and I was choking back the tears because I thought, man, there is no greater payment or repayment for serving. And I know some of you have stories like this as well. But I'm going to tell you this this morning. When you can partner with God in making a difference in this world and changing this world and making it a better place and making a difference in people's lives, I can tell you there is nothing, nothing that this world can give you that can give you the joy, the happiness, and the satisfaction that that gives. And I want to challenge you this morning to get on board with giving and sharing. But there's there's one more thing I need to share with you. But why you need to give, and it's the fourth reason, and we find it in this verse here. And this, look what Jesus says here. Jesus says, "Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full." Did you hear that? You you cannot give God. You know, you think, if I if I give, then I'm going to be without. This to me, this is where the faith really kicks in, and this is where this is where the supernatural kicks in. This is the supernatural part of our faith. This is where God shows up and does miracles. Jesus says, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. How pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, and then running over, and then poured into your lap. Would you say that it sounded like a lot? The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Isn't that amazing? Now, Jesus is telling you this is not as a, as a get rich quick scheme. What he's trying to share with you is, this, is that how important it is for you to give as a sign that you truly trust God, that you truly want God to help you. You know, you, I hear people say, you know, I need God's help. I need God's provision. And you know what I want to say to them? "So You don't need me to give you money. What you need to do is you need to give away something that you've got, and then you'll have God's provision in your life. I'm going to challenge you this morning. If you are struggling financially, if you're having a hard time with finances, or if you know if it just seems that you're always you know tight, things are just there's just never enough. You're, you're, there's always lack in your life. Then I need to encourage you to start giving something away. You need to share something. You say I don't ha- I don't have any I don't know what to give. Give your neighbor some cookies. Sounds ridiculous, yeah, but you can do that. Go down to Shalom Mission and and serve in the soup kitchen. Do you have an extra, extra coat, other extra clothes? Give them away, but start giving something and watch God move in and bless you in ways that you cannot imagine because this is, this is what God says. This is not a preacher who wants your money. This is, this is God saying you need to learn the principle of giving so that I can bless you. This is what God's saying. He wants to bless you, but you've got to learn how to give. You know, I had a family come to me back when we were in the old church, and they just started coming to church, and they were getting involved, and they were really become, becoming part of a, the family here. And he said to me one day, uh, it was right after I preached a message about giving, and uh, maybe this is why I always had a hard time thereafter to preach on giving, because he came to me and said, you know what, this is too radical for us. You know, we, this is not really what we, what we were sort of signing up for. It's not really what we wanted to do. We don't really want to be the giving kind of people. So we're leaving the church. Now, I can tell you, then we had like only like 40 people. And, man, every I mean, that, was, that was like 10% of our congregation leaving. And they said, we're leaving because we, we, we can't do this. Back, back And that was back about 11, 12 years ago. They came to talk to me, or he came to talk to me just a couple months ago. And I said, how are you doing? He said, well, you know, I found your, I found your website, and I, I listened, was listening to your sermons. He so said, I just felt like I needed to talk to you. He came and talked to me, and he said, my, my marriage is ruined. My kids are, are ruined. My life is a mess. And instantly, my mind went back to the day that they left our church. Now, listen to me. I'm not saying that God's, God, God had it in for them because they left the church. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is this, is that they walked away from God's blessing. They walked away from God's provision and help. I'm going to warn you today. If you want to know God's provision and help in your life, then you have to do what he says. You have to do it his way and not your way. Really important. This is, I, I'm just being a faithful reporter to you. I'm just faithfully telling you what this book says. God says, give, and I'm going to give back to you in ways that you cannot even imagine. I'll fix your marriage, I'll fix your kids, I'll fix your, your job, I'll fix your career, I'll fix your bank account. That's what God does. Sort of the opposite what the country western songs are all about right he gives it all back to you you get it all back it all gets sorted out but you got to do it his way you need to learn to have an attitude the mindset of a giver um, I'm going to share with you a, a video clip now that we that we've seen before but I, I got to tell you this um, I'm always a little bit nervous about preaching about giving because I'm sure, I, I'm always afraid that people are going to respond negatively or whatever. And I, I don't know why. And maybe it's because it goes back to that family that left because they preached about giving. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you, it's the best thing that I can share with you. There's nothing, there's no greater message that I can give you aside from, from telling you the, the gospel message of salvation. But to, to tell you the importance of giving and sharing and partnering with God and turning back the tides of darkness and, and bringing hope to a broken world, there is, there's no greater message I can give you. And I need to challenge you, I need to encourage you to understand this, that what you have right now all belongs to God. It's on loan to you. And God's calling you now to be faithful with what he has given to you. Will you share we begin to share. We begin to give. We begin to partner with God. We begin to partner with me in making a difference in this world. Last night I was talking to, 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 to Shane, and, and uh, we've, we're all ready to go with our, team, uh, with our medical team to Zambia. And I said, you know it's going to cost money? He goes, it's just money, but the thrill of being able to go and care for these kids and bring hope and life and light to them. There's nothing else. These uh, these sermons on giving, for people who are takers, who are take, 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 they hate these kind of sermons. But people who are givers, their hearts delight and thrill in a message about giving. This morning, I pray that your heart delights and thrills in this. And if you're not giving, if you're not sharing of your time, if you're not involved, if you're not contributing to the cause of this church and to the cause of Zambia, can I encourage you to get on board? Now just watch this little parable here, and I hope that your hearts will be encouraged.